Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Your two were my favorite. So thank you, and I will continue to follow your recommendations in the future. Thank you for all you do. I look forward every single week to going on my run and listening to you. And by the time I come back, I have multiple books to add to my to-be-read list. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for this opportunity. And um, this has just been fabulous. I love your show. And thank you for inviting me to be a part of it. So really, thank you so much for the recommendation. I'm very grateful to have it. And I'm really grateful for you and what you do on this podcast. Thanks so much, Anne. And the audiobook thing I think never would have happened had you not made that recommendation. So thank you, thank you for that because you've sort of changed my reading life by doing audiobooks. Like, but you're like, you're Anne Bogle. Like, you, you love novels. I really liked all of them. And that's what I read next. Hey everyone, I'm Anne Bogle and this is What Should I Read Next? Episode 33. Welcome to the show that's dedicated to answering the question that plagues every reader. What should I read next? We don't get bossy on this show. What we will do here is give you the information you need to choose your next read. Every week, we talk all things books and reading, and almost every week, we do a little literary matchmaking with one guest, but not today. Today, we're visiting again with previous guests to find out what they really did read next. Readers, we have 32 episodes behind us now. This is only the second time we've checked back in with previous guests. The first was back in episode 22, so if you missed it, go check it out. You know how this show works, readers. Every week, a guest tells me three books they love, one book they hate, and what they're reading now. We talk it out, and I send them on their way with three personalized recommendations for what they should read next. But what do they really read next, and what do they think of those books I recommended for them here on the show? I'm always eager to hear the rest of the story, and I know you are too. That's why we're bringing back past guests every once in a while in episodes like today's. They're here to share what they read, what they loved, and in some cases, what they absolutely hated. Let's get to it. First up, we have Meredith Schwartz from episode 11. Meredith captured your imaginations with her description of the reading vacation she takes every year, and she's actually said it's the thing she's heard the most about since being on the show. She even wrote a blog post about it, and I'll put it in the show notes. Here she is talking about that special vacation. Uh, but each book, I think, is, is absolutely amazing. And, and I love these books so much that, in fact, because she's, and, and I love Louise Penny and I follow her on social media, she's a fantastic person in addition to being a great writer. She puts these out once a year, thank heaven, hopefully that will continue. <laughs> 
And my husband actually takes me away for three days of uninterrupted reading when the book comes out. That's how much I look forward to it. It's literally like Christmas for me. So we go to Half Moon Bay here in California and we read. He gives me the space to read for three straight days to, to finish the book. So I love this series. It's amazing. And here she is more recently talking about what she read after she was on the show. Hey, Anne, this is Meredith from Penelope Loves Lists, and I'm so excited to be talking to you again. I have all three of the books that you recommended to me, and I've actually read two of them. I read Morningside Heights immediately, and I did like it. It was everything that you said it would be. It definitely gives you a lot of really immersive description about a very specific neighborhood and one that I hadn't heard of before. It was very interesting. You get to know the characters really, really well. And I enjoyed it. It was a little bit maybe more prosy than most books that I read. There was a lot of internal examination. I did like that, but at some points it was just a tad slow. But overall, I liked the book a lot and I was really glad that I read it. And um, I also then jumped into the likeness, and that fit exactly what I asked you for, too. It was an absolute page-turner. Um, I had read um, the author's previous book, In the Woods, and absolutely loved it, and this one I liked even more. It was exactly the kind of mystery that I love, very fast-paced, um, fantastic setting. I loved the the setting being in Dublin, Ireland. And also, uh, I absolutely loved that you're constantly trying to figure out the true motives of the people in the book. I really, really enjoyed it. I have not yet read The Ballad of the Whiskey Robber. It might be the cover that's putting me off just a little bit, but more than anything, I definitely think I am going to read it. I just haven't gotten to it yet. I'm going to tell you, though, that two books um, kind of got in the way of me reading, finishing that third recommendation of yours. But these are two books that I heard about through your podcast, and I felt so viscerally about each one that I just had to mention them. The first one was I read Jojo Moy's um, Me Before You, and I really hated that book. I know how many people love it, but I absolutely hated it. I was so angry from about two-thirds of the way book through the book to the end and when I was done I literally threw the book on the floor and said I will never read another book like that again I don't know why anyone would like a book that ends like that um <laughs> but I know some people say it's their favorite book ever and they're making a movie so I know I'm in the I'm in the minority here but the the other book that I picked up purely by accident that I've heard discussed a few times on your podcast is uh, Lauren Groff's Fates and Furies. And this one blew me over, took me by surprise. I did not expect to like it. If memory serves, I don't think you liked it. I know other people have not, or people feel very strongly about it. This is the first really five-star book that I have read in a very long time. I picked it up and intended to just read a couple pages, got sucked in immediately, and could not put it down. I read it in a week, which for me, with how much time I have to read, is enormously fast. I read it late into the evening, which I never do. I adored this book. I It really is kind of, you know, it's the story of a marriage. 
and it was fascinating. And the fact that it's told in two very discrete parts and that each one could exist on its own in a way, but it's so much better together, I felt was just so emblematic of the institution of marriage itself, a good marriage, you know, two people are okay to get, you know, apart, but together they're true magic. And I felt that way about this book. So that's five books, all of which I've gotten from you, uh, three directly, two indirectly. I've actually read several others from the podcast, but again, thank you for all you do. I look forward every single week to going on my run and listening to you. And by the time I come back, I have multiple books to add to my to-be-read list. Thank you so much. In episode 13, I talked with Ed Sazeski, and this episode was pretty much all memoir all the time. Ed shared some strong opinions about two beloved memoirs. Some of you felt vindicated, but some of you were horrified. Here he is talking about Angela's ashes. Yeah, I mean, I kind of hinted at like, you know, how I judge a, a good memoir. And I feel like Angela's ashes, I mean, it's basically just sharing this miserable childhood. And it's just kind of this like, let me just dump all this horrible stuff on you. Which It's like, I feel really bad that all these bad things happened to him. But I don't know, I, I feel like, it, it feels kind of voyeuristic sometimes, maybe like when you're like reading these memoirs and it's just someone sharing like one bad thing after another. Maybe I'm just too much of an optimist that it's hard to read terrible things that happen in kind of constant succession. Mm-hmm. But it also just kind of feels like, I don't know, like it just didn't do anything for me. I just I just felt like uh, and especially with Tiss, it's like, oh, my gosh, like it's just like, let me just talk about how I drank my life away. And here is that again with an update. Ed, it's good to have you back. Thanks so much for having me, Anne. Okay, so we talked a couple months ago now. Since what kind of feedback did you get after being on the show? Definitely people trying to convert me to uh, Wild and Angela's Ashes. And, oh, I forgot and... that you were one of the people who hated Wild. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, definitely some people tried to reach out about that, but I was What, what do you mean by reach out? Oh, like just people like who heard the podcast said like, oh, I can't, you know, like I, I just, I love that book so much or, or whatever. And I, you know, um, but yeah, I, I am unwavering in my opinion there. Did you hear uh, any persuasive arguments that you could see the merit of, even if at the end of the day you were still like, um, no. You know, it was, it was really more like people just saying like, well, I liked it, <laughs> 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 which is, which is pretty much about like, about all that I said about Angela's ashes too. It was like, well, I don't like it. So, you know, that's, it's fair. I'm not going to, I'm not going to criticize them. Uh, but in the, since, since we talked, my wife got a PhD, she got a job, we've moved. Uh, so a lot has happened. I haven't had a ton of time to read, but I have read, I did read a little bit of Quotidian Mysteries, which I, which I've enjoyed. Oh, the short one. Yeah. I see how this well, works. Yeah. No, I'm but, kidding. I'm kidding. But yeah. seriously, it's like 80 pages and it seems perfect for Well, I thought it seemed perfect for you. So that's yeah. a brilliant place to start. How'd it go? Exactly. Yeah. I'm about halfway through and, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a, it's been a nice little book. Um, she has a thing about, you know, doing the laundry and, you know, I think that there's just something, yeah, there's something really refreshing about a book that really focuses on the, the simple, uh, you know, practices that could be really meaningful. Excellent. Well, I'm glad that that is resonating with you. Do you want to hear what I've been reading instead? Because I, I totally I, do. I, I had some commitments to people to read other books that kind of came like, so I kind of stockpile books for vacation and then I read a bunch during vacation. So I started Quotidian Mysteries on vacation, but before I got to that, I had to read uh, Very Married 
by Catherine Mullis Percy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that book is fantastic. I'm about, I don't know, maybe 75% way through. Yeah, I have a Kindle, so you can like do percentages okay. these things. I'm glad uh, to hear it because I just put it on my Kindle, like yeah. maybe last night. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a wonderful book. Uh, really, really, uh, it's, it's like a, a vulnerable, but not like over-the-top vulnerable. Uh, it's not like wild. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I love how you could tie that back in. That's my endorsement. It's not like Wild or Angela's Ashes. There's Are actually like put that hope. on the cover. There's like hope and like you know like a character arc. I don't know. Um, and, and not like adject misery. Uh, and then a simulator go home. Um, and that's uh, D.L. Mayfield. Mm-hmm. It's really well written, and it's uh, it's a it's a fantastic memoir. So all right. Well, it was great to hear from you again, Ed. Many of the show's guests have commented on how difficult it was to choose just three books to represent the books they loved. Here's Caroline Starrose from episode 14 talking about what that difficult decision looked like for her. It was hard to boil this down to three. I it's know so said, hard. I know. It's, it's, I just want you to know, I know that it's so hard. I mean, I feel like I had to have a discussion with my favorite books and say, now look a moment here. You are still my loves, but I'm, <laughs> I'm not bringing you into the conversation today. So just know that I'm not turning my back on you. They're not your three very favorites. They're just no. three three favorites of what could yes. be 150. And here's Caroline again, talking about what she thought about the three books I recommended for her. Hi, Anne. This is Caroline Rose. Thank you so much for inviting me back to your show. Uh, the three books that you recommended for me were... Uh, I Capture the Castle, These Is My Words, The Diary of Sarah Agnes Prine, and Saving Lucas Biggs. Now, I had read I Capture the Castle once before, but as soon as we finished recording the podcast, I immediately went to my library website and requested both These Is My Words and Saving Lucas Biggs and jumped into both. Uh, I would say of the two, my my favorite would be uh, These Is My Words. It just was absolutely everything I look for in a book. It was as if it were written for me. So you really, well done on that one. You know, it's a frontier story. It's about the desert Southwest where I happen to live. It's historical fiction. As I told you uh, earlier, I absolutely love to feel like I'm reading somebody's journal because I'm a nosy person. Um, And I just, I love the strong protagonist. I love that this felt both like a sweeping, expansive story, but it also felt really intimate and personal. It was just kind of uh, those everyday moments of life uh, bound up in a 20-year saga. The romance in the story was really tender and sweet and beautiful. It was really fun to kind of watch this young teenage girl grow into a woman and a mother and go through incredibly difficult things. And so I just, I, it's, I have so much respect for um, the people of the frontier. And so this just was a perfect, perfect fit for me. And I really, really love character-driven stories, and so this was a really good one for me. So Saving Lucas Biggs was my second read. I enjoyed this a lot as well. Because it wasn't character-driven, though, I didn't feel like I really connected with the characters. I certainly didn't connect with... I I didn't connect with them as well, I should say, as I did with Sarah in These Is My Words. What I did really enjoy about it, though, is uh, the idea that uh, this is a story about time travel, and so one character in particular, we see him as a young boy, who, and he's a very kind young boy, but as he becomes a man, he is an entirely different person. And so it really was a, a great uh, chance to reflect on who we become and how we become the people that we are, and if those are things that are, are permanent or if those are things that can change. Really a, a lot of good things to think about, so much so that I ended up sharing 
a portion of the story. I, I share a, a quote over on my blog. Thank you so much for this opportunity. And um, this has just been fabulous. I love your show. And thank you for inviting me to be a part of it. Before we visit with our next guest, I want to tell you about a special event for readers I'm doing this fall in Savannah, Georgia. Read Savannah is designed to allow readers to meet with and listen to the authors they love. This year's headliner is best-selling author Leanne Moriarty, author of the brand new Truly Madly Guilty, and whose novel Big Little Lies is being adapted into an HBO miniseries starring Reese Witherspoon and Nicole Kidman. Read Savannah takes place the afternoon of September 18th. We'll also have a meet and greet for attendees the afternoon before at a local restaurant. Attendees can enjoy three author panels featuring acclaimed writers representing women's fiction, historical fiction, young adult, and nonfiction genres. Attendees can mingle with the authors, ask questions, and get books signed by local indie E. Shaver bookseller. The event will conclude with the finale keynote delivered by Leanne. For more information or to reserve tickets, go to readsavannah.com. Hope to see you there. In episode 16, I talked with Grace Martin, who is a huge fan of dystopian literature. Grace is 12 years old, but she's already read enough in the genre to have some strong opinions about it, as you can tell from this clip. Yeah, because currently dystopian is what's in right now. Uh And I mean, there are good dystopian novels out there. But a lot of the market is becoming, like, polluted and stereotyped for being a teenage girl dream because a lot of writers that haven't had ideas are capitalizing on the fact that dystopian novels are popular. Here Grace is again, talking about what she really read next and what she thought about those books. Hey, Grace here again, and I'm here to talk about what I did read next. One of the things recommended for me was the short story All Summer and Day, and my gosh... Was that short and sweet? I literally just reread it right now on the internet, and it hasn't gotten any worse, let me tell you. Honestly, it's sort of sad. No spoilers, but, like, it's so well written. It's absolutely amazing. Next up, we have The Age of Miracles, which I accidentally read before All Summer in a Day, and I got spoilers. But, yeah, amazing book. I read it, and then I reread it, and then I re-re-re-read it. And my mom had to get a renewal from the library. It stands up to rereads, especially for me. And I feel like that's a good measure of how well a book is. So far, the recommendations have been good. Also, Ultraviolet. I read it. I loved it. It was very twisty. But then I read Quicksilver, which is like the second one in the quote-unquote series. And I loved it too. They are both really great books. I recommend them for pretty much anyone, especially people that like science fiction and stuff. I'd have to say, out of the books that were recommended for me, I liked The Age of Miracles the most, because it was really, it was well written. And it was as much about coming of age as it was about the fact that the Earth was slowing down, and I really liked that. And I could identify with a lot of the stuff, obviously not the dystopian part of the dystopian fiction, but it was... It was an interesting read. Ultraviolet is good for people that want something different in their reading life, because believe me, it's different. And All Summer in a Day is good for people that want a really quick read that's also about as good as some long novels that I've read. I really liked all of them, and that's what I read next. 
In episode 17, I talked to Andy Cumbo Floyd. The road that led to one of her favorites was a horrible experience that too many of us readers can relate to. She left her book bag at home. Here she is talking about it. Uh Oh, yeah, that's awesome. I went away last weekend and I left uh, my book bag at home. You'll understand how that was a major crisis. So the first thing I did, my husband took me to a bookstore like immediately. (laughs) He was like, this is going to be a long weekend if you don't have anything to read. And so I found a used bookstore. and And here's Andy again, talking about what happened after she was on the podcast and the book she loved the most. Hey, Anne, it's Andy Cumbo Floyd. Thanks so much for having me back to talk about the book she recommended to me. I just finished The Killing Moon by N.K. Jemison and loved it. Loved the world, loved the characters, especially the characters, loved the plot, loved everything about it. Um, it did take me a little while to get into it just because I think the world is both one I recognize, the characters are humans. It's set in a place that is like ancient Egypt and ancient Nubia. Not that I recognize those from firsthand experience, but but it's not Earth. And so the customs and the cultural setting are different. You know, they're totally new. So it took me a while to get grounded in the book. But once I did, I was off and running and loving it. Um, I loved Ihiro and Najiri, the two main characters. I appreciated the cultural complexity that Jemison creates. And I particularly loved the religious aspect of the book because it is so other than the religious aspects of life I know here on earth, as it should be. Um, And I was really fascinated by the idea that dreams had power. I won't say more than that because I don't want to give anything away, but I really loved that. I found her ability to write complex characters to be really fascinating. Um, I found her use of plotting to be really strong, particularly in the latter part of the book. So I, I just absolutely loved it and, and really plan on reading the sequel as soon as I can get my hands on it. And I'm hoping she'll write more books in this world. And I've even taken my copy, which I kind of contemplated holding on to, and I put it in our little free library because I really hope our neighbors can get introduced to both to this book and to this author. So, so really, thank you so much for the recommendation. I'm very grateful to have it and I'm really grateful for you and what you do on this podcast. Thanks so much, Anne. Next, I talked to Jessica Turner in episode 18. She made me laugh with this comment back in April on the original episode. Here it is. I don't know. I just thought it was indulgent. I sort of felt like when I read the book, like Simon Cowell, when he would critique people on American Idol and he would just comment that it was indulgent or it was like you were doing karaoke or, you know, like, why? I just... I don't know. I just don't get the fascination. Like I have no desire to read any more of that author's books. Um, I don't know, Anne. I just, I just didn't dig it. And here she is talking about what happened after she was on the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Oh. I have so much to say. Oh my gosh. Well, I can't wait to hear <laughs> because um, we've emailed and I've seen mentions on social media and I have so many questions. Okay. <laughs> So you were on episode 18, and something I loved was that you chose a book for your hated book that everybody else loved, which was Big Little Lies for Leanne Moriarty. Nobody's changed your mind, have they? Like, I've seen people try to change your mind on the internet. 
No, no one's changed my mind. Yeah, that is exactly what I expected. Okay, so the thing I'm especially curious about, I recommended Angle of Repose, Hotel on the Corner of Bitter and Sweet, and Dead Wake. And I've seen on social media that you have strong feelings about Dead Wake. Would you share them with us, please? I am dying to share this with our listeners. And I will tell you, so this has been my biggest reading year in four or five years, I would say. I've read, I think, 25 books this year, which is a ton for me working full time, three kids. Okay, pause, pause. How did you make, did you do it on purpose to make this your best reading year in ages? Or did it just kind of, did you get on a roll and kept going? Well, I had a baby and released a book in the same year. So, and I have horrific pregnancies. And so basically I had two years where I wasn't really doing any sort of self-care or anything at all fringe hours, which is the title of my book were spent on promoting the fringe hours and taking care of a baby. So, um, I, right, (laughs) right. It is not missed. Um, so this year I dedicated to really being all about self-care and prioritizing myself a lot better than I had to be sort of walking the talk and reading was the number one thing that I added kind of back into the mix. So and I will say this goes with Dead Wake. So I started doing audiobooks, which is definitely helping me to read more books. Dead Wake was the first audiobook that I listened to. And I will say, Anne, it is my least favorite book of 2016. I hated it. Is it I, horrible to say that I really hope the year ends and this does not get unseated? Uh, no, I just, I'm, I just I'm love the con- idea of it being your biggest hate. I am confident it will not. Um, only because I felt like I had to finish it because number one, it was my first audiobook, and you had recommended it. And I've always wanted to do an Eric Larson book. Everyone has always said such great things about him. And so I really wanted to finish it, but I hated it. Um, I gave it three stars instead of one star because I appreciate the merits of the book. And I certainly found it interesting. I just wanted the darn ship to get torpedoed about five hours sooner than it did. So, um, yeah, it just, you recommended it to me because I love historical fiction and because I wanted to start reading more nonfiction. When I was saying I want to read more nonfiction, I was saying Brene Brown, not Eric Larson, I think is what I was saying. Um, You know, because it occurred to me after the fact to think, hold on, Jessica Turner, you wrote a nonfiction book, but there's a big, which I thought was funny. So, but there's a big difference between personal growth and historical. Okay, so I love that you already said that you can see the merit because something we've talked about on the show before is W.H. Auden's five possible verdicts for a book, which are, I can see this is good and I think it's great. I can see this is good, but it's not for me. I can see this is good and maybe I will come to like it, like Shakespeare. This is trashy, but I love it. And this is trashy and it's trash. And I don't get why people are reading this. So it sounds like I can see where you are in that spectrum. Right. Yes. So it was not for me. I did finish it and it did show me, oh gosh, I could be actually reading two books at once, which is what I was doing with Dead Wake. I was listening to it while I was on my way to work using my fringe hours. And then I was reading something else. Um, It took me two months to over the course of two months to get that book finished. But then I've done a slew of other audiobooks that I have loved. Hold on. I want, I want to hear those. Um, was it easy for you to go back and forth because you had one on audio and one on paper? Was it because yeah, the genres was, were very different? Tell us um, how that works. Yeah, I think it was just because one was audio, one was on paper. So since Dead Wake, I've done all fiction 
and very similar, both, you know, historical fictions, a paperback and a audiobook. And I think it's just that they're so different. I almost feel like I'm listening to a play or a movie or that sort of thing with the audiobook. Mm-hmm. And so it's very easy for me to separate them. Um, and Lilac Girls, I listened to after Dead Wake. And it is, I think, probably going to be my favorite book of 2016. And it's also an audiobook. That is so interesting. So isn't because, that fascinating? And yeah. I think that I loved it so, so, so much because of the audio version of it. The three actresses that did the voices were phenomenal. And I think I would have really loved it had I been just reading it regular, but I don't think I would have loved it to the level that I love this book because of the audio version. Mm-hmm. So I have you to thank for that, even though Dead Wake horrible. I absolutely hated it. Well, that's so good because I've started reading Lilac Girls on paper twice and abandoned it both times, but I may give the audio a try. Okay. Um, after it's so good. It's so, so good. Because you're very convincing, but we don't share the same favorites at all. So it would be very that's interesting true. for that's me true. to listen to listen to it and see what I think. Okay. Here's what I want to know. Two questions. One, what speed did you listen to Dead Wake on? 1.25. Okay. I tried so you 1. Were up a little bit because I, I wanted it done so fast, but I couldn't handle it at 1.5. The guy's cadence just didn't work for mm-hmm. me at 1.5. And my second question is, did you learn anything about yourself as a reader by hating this book? Like right away you said, oh, Brene Brown, not Eric Larson. But do you feel like you learned about yourself? Like, oh, not history, but the more, you know, a different kind of nonfiction would be more up my alley. Or did you already know that? You know, I can't say that I learned anything about myself except that I thought that I would like Eric Larson better than I did. Mm-hmm. But I really wonder if part of that was because I did the audiobook version. Because I certainly could have read it if I was reading a paperback version a lot quicker than I could listen to it. So maybe I wouldn't have disliked it quite as much, but I don't know. I don't know, Anne. I just know that. The audiobook version of Dead Wake was not for me, and I have no desire to read any other versions of his book. Like, I get it, and I get why he's so amazing at what he does, but eh, I'd just rather read historical fiction, I think, if I'm going to read about a historical period. That is really good to know, that even though he's going to have another book come out in a few years, and it's going to be on the top of the list, and you're going to know. I'm going to know that book is not for me. (laughs) Okay, tell us about your other titles. Hotel at the Corner of Bitter and Sweet, I did read. I liked it okay. I didn't love it, um, but I liked it. I mean, it certainly had all of the things that I like about a book. It was the right period. I liked that it kind of went to present day and past and all the things. I really liked it being set on the West Coast and the Japanese-American experience during World War II. I found all of that interesting. I think because I loved The Girl Who Wrote in Silk so much, and I read it pretty close to reading Hotel at the Corner of Bitter and Sweet, and they're similar kind of storylines in terms Mm -hmm. of Japanese-American 40s period, present day. I liked The Girl Who Wrote in Silk better than that, and so I think I was comparing that book to the other book, Mm -hmm. um, and that's why I didn't love it. Um, But I did really like it, so that was a good one for me. Angle of Repose, I just got on Overdrive as an audiobook. Oh, no. I I was so curious. I don't think I'm going to be able to do it. I've tried three different rides home starting it and the guy who's narrating it is just not getting it done and I have no desire to turn it on I've actually gone to listening to podcasts over listening to my audiobook when I am driving home and so I think that's a bad sign so I put it on reserve at the library so I'm gonna try the paperback 
because I do think it's a period I haven't read. It fits kind of all the characteristics of books that I like, just like you said. So I definitely want to give it a try. That's what I got for you, Anne. Thank you so much for the recommendations because it's certainly it. I'm so glad that I did Dead Wake, even though I hated it. And the audiobook thing, I think, never would have happened had you not made that recommendation. So thank you, thank you for that because you've sort of changed my reading life by doing audiobooks. That is amazing. I am so glad that's working for you. It's awesome. Okay. Thanks for coming back. Bye, Anne. Bye. Our last guest we're checking in with is Mallory Reese. I talked with Mallory a month before she got married back in episode 23, and we were choosing good books for her to take on her honeymoon. Here she is talking about what she wanted to be different in her reading life. And I also, I need to be better able to put a book down that I am slogging <laughs> through. I have, right now I'm reading A Prayer for Owen Meany, and I wouldn't say I don't like it. I love the little stories, mm-hmm. but I keep putting it down and then reading another book and then picking it back up and going through another 50 pages or so and then putting it down. And sometimes I need to just commit to putting the book down and saying that this is not my favorite. And here she is talking about what happened after she was on the podcast. Hi, Anne. Thank you again for having me on the show. I had a wonderful time reading your recommendations on my honeymoon in Costa Rica. Overall, the recommendations were perfect. They were definitely a hit. Although as a confession, I finished the nest before I ever made it to the honeymoon. And my excuse is that the cover art was too pretty to subject to the elements in Costa Rica. So I now have that one sitting on my desk where I can admire the cover all of the time. So here's my review. My favorite of the three was Tiny Little Things. I realized after the show that I had already read A Hundred Summers by Beatrice Williams on my last vacation and loved it, so I was really excited to pick up another one of her books. So this book was perfect. It had mystery, a compelling protagonist, and romance. I love the Kennedy angle, and... I really enjoyed that one. It had a satisfying ending for me. I also ended up reading The Secret Life of Violet Grant, which is another one of Beatrice Williams' novels about Tiny's sister, and I may have liked that one even more. I liked that the protagonist in that one was even a little bit more spunky, and I just love this time period of the 60s. So her works are easy to read but smart, and that one was great. The Nest was also a success. I will say I was sucked into. The novel. I thought that the characters were juicy and I really enjoyed the story of the four plum siblings. With The Nest, I think that the author might have tried to cover too much ground with too many subplots. So I really wanted to focus on the four siblings, which are involved in the original plot line, arguing over this inheritance, the nest that they are left. But there were a lot of side plots and All of a sudden, it's talking about a World Trade Center accident and some other minor characters were getting a little bit too much billing in this book. But it was still a great honeymoon read, even though I didn't read it on the honeymoon, that I really enjoyed. And finally, the last one that I read was No One Knows. This wasn't a miss, for sure. I really enjoyed having a mystery to read by the beach, something that was really engrossing and that kept me guessing. And I loved that it started out at a bachelor and bachelorette party where this woman's husband goes missing. So it tied into the wedding angle and that was really fun. Um, I won't give any spoilers, but I will say that I hated the end of that book. 
So obviously, this is one of those novels like Gone Girl or I Let You Go that has a twist that you just know is coming at some point. So I kept waiting for that twist around the 50 to 60 percent point on my Kindle tracker. And it never came. And it didn't come until the very end. And I felt like there wasn't time to unpack what happened. Um, I want to thank you so much for all of your recommendations. And once again, for having me on the show. And these were the best books I read on my honeymoon. I ended up, because I had read The Nest beforehand, reading two others. But your two were my favorite. So thank you. And I will continue to follow your recommendations in the future. Mallory didn't answer a question I was dying to know the answer to, so I had to email her to find out what she thought about Veronica Mars' book number two. So she emailed me back and said that she blew through it on a Saturday, that it was so good and she can't wait for them to release another. I know you marshmallows wanted to know what she thought. Readers, this was so much fun today. I hope you enjoyed hearing back from your favorite guests. Thanks so much for listening. If you're on Twitter, let me know there at Ann Bogle. That is Ann with an E, B as in books, O-G-E-L. Readers, that's it for this episode. As Reiner Maria Rilke said, ah, how good it is to be among people who are reading. Happy reading, everyone. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Sleep Cove podcast can help you. Hi, I'm Christopher Fitton, the voice and clinical hypnotherapist behind Sleep Cove. Sleep Cove features sleep hypnosis, meditations and bedtime stories, all designed to help those of you who struggle at night to achieve a restful and peaceful night's sleep. Search for Sleep Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see why Sleep Cove helps millions of people sleep deeply all night long. Let Mysteries at Midnight be your destination for detective whodunits and captivating mystery stories. You'll hear classic stories like Sherlock Holmes, Agatha Christie's Poirot and short tales from H.G. Wells, Charles Dickens, Edgar Allan Poe and others. I'm Christopher and I read these classic stories in the soothing style of a bedtime story so you can listen to them in bed when you drift off to sleep. Search for Mysteries at Midnight on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or your favourite podcast app and follow and subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes.